Thank you, Elizabeth and Robin. Janice, thank you for leading us in worship that way. Thank you again for being here. Uh, with Pastor Josh gone, we're going to take a, a brief uh, pause in our Roots series, the study of the Torah. And uh, we're going to take a, a little detour into the New Testament. We're going to talk today about one of my favorite characters in the New Testament. But before we do that, would you join me in just a moment of prayer? Father, thank you this morning that we have the time and a place we can come and spend time worshiping you, enjoying being in your presence and having you in ours. Thank you for each other, that we have the community here, that we can enjoy each other's presence. And uh, we thank you then, too, for your word, that we can open and learn from it. So we pray that you'll bless our hearts, open them to what you have to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been encouraged by someone else? How would you describe encouragement? It can be a little hard to actually define, but we know when we experience it. We know because encouragement is the manifestation of grace. It's rooted in the very character of God. Find someone who's an encourager, and you'll find someone who's likely filled with the presence of God. Joseph, or Joseph, was such a man. He was used by God in significant ways to encourage ministry in a number of different ways. So much so that the apostles in Jerusalem gave him another name. The son of encouragement, Barnabas. As I said, he's one of my favorite characters in the New Testament. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines encourage as to inspire with renewed courage, spirit, or hope. In the New Testament, the word most often used to translate encouragement is the Greek word paraklesis. That's a a word I remember hearing from my pastor when I was first saved back in college. Uh, And I loved the way he said it. But paraklesis. It comes from two words. Para, meaning alongside of, and kaleo, to call. So the word encourager means someone who is called alongside to help, to inspire, to renew spirit or to renew hope. Might be a very timely thing for us to consider in these days. The word paraclesis was used often in ancient times to describe the inspirational speeches given to soldiers and sailors on their way into battle. Similarly, we go into battle every day against challenges. Challenges from the evil one. Challenges against against despair. And we need encouragers to come alongside us in our lives as well. Barnabas was that kind of person. He was one who came alongside other people and transferred courage from himself to them. He's one of those characters that we have to piece together because the facts that we have come from various parts of the book of Acts. His name is mentioned at least 29 times. But Acts 11.24 gives us some clues to what Barnabas was. 
why he was what he was and how he got to be what he was. So look with me, if you would, at Acts 11.24. I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles if you can or take one from the pew in front of you. Put your finger in the book of Acts because we're going to be bouncing around it today. Acts 11.24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Well, this is a good place to start to get a description of the life that Barnabas led, the reason that he led that life, and the difference that he made to so many other people along the way. So let's take a look at Barnabas' life description. In a context outside the Bible, a good man, well, he might be kind of hard to define. Good in relation to what? Or whom? Barnabas was clearly what we all might consider to be a a really nice guy. But he wasn't naturally good. He wasn't even inherently good or even legalistically good. He was good because he was a godly man. Goodness in the biblical context means godly or righteous. Not good because he didn't sin, but because he was infused with God's righteousness in Jesus Christ. Barnabas' righteousness showed up in a number of different ways. First of all, he was generous. Acts 4, verse 36 and 37. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Our first exposure to Barnabas finds him donating money for others. And he wasn't the only one. That was kind of a mindset of the early church. They, they shared what they had with others. Barnabas owned a piece of property he felt he could part with. So he sold it, gave the money to the apostles for ministry. He lived with what we call an open hand. It's the hallmark of a generous person. Now, if you study the book of Acts, you'll see immediately following this description of Barnabas, we get the story of a couple who did not live with an open hand, Ananias and Sapphira. Their deceitful attempt to look as though they were as generous as Barnabas uh, drew only a stark contrast between them and him. Of course, their problem wasn't the selling of their property or even keeping some of the proceeds for their own use, Their problem was lying about what they got and saying that they were giving it all to the church. If they'd been up front about needing some of the money uh, for their own needs, they probably would have been fine. But selfishness wasn't their main problem. Lying and deceit was. Uh, Enough about them. Let's get back to Barnabas. He was an encourager. And he was generous. He built up others by helping to meet their needs. Where generosity goes... So goes encouragement. In addition to being generous, Barnabas was also gracious. An interesting trait. Uh, Some of us struggle with that. I know I do. (laughs) But Barnabas was gracious. Let me read Acts 9, verses 26 to 28. You might want to turn there because that 
type is small and it's going to get smaller. <laughs> and when he and Saul had come, when he, Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he, Saul, went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. To be gracious means to extend grace toward others. Barnabas was the one most willing to extend grace toward Saul of Tarsus, a man who had been feared by by the Jews. But he took Saul when he was in uh, to, and introduced him to the apostles at Jerusalem. The apostles again were still frightened of Saul. Understandably, they were skeptical of his conversion, afraid he might be faking a conversion so he might infiltrate and harm. or destroy even the church. But Barnabas reached out. He welcomed Saul, welcomed him to the church, and came alongside Saul, brought him to meet the others, encouraging him, extending grace, and forgiving Saul for his past, as God had done. Barnabas became Paul's advocate before the apostles, championing the case of the underdog, which is another sign of the encourager. Always the one who will jump on a bandwagon when everybody else is jumping off. Always ready to defend the guy everyone else is prosecuting. The one with something positive to say, to build up. Extending grace. Another example of, of Barnabas' graciousness was his treatment of his nephew, John Mark who bottomed out when he deserted Paul and and Barnabas on a missionary journey. When the two apostles left to start another journey later, Paul refused to let John Mark join them. But Barnabas extended grace toward John Mark. He saw something in him worth developing. So he put his arm around Mark's shoulders, encouraged him to go on, and then took him to Cyprus to continue his missionary work and Mark's apprenticeship. You ever had anybody do that for you? I have. And I hope you have or will at some point, whenever it's needed. And we may never know the impact we have in extending grace to somebody else. The third description of Barnabas' life is that he was a godly man. Again, from Acts 11, verses 19 to 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, 
And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So a new church came to be in Antioch, made up predominantly of Gentile converts that were being drawn into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. When that news got to Jerusalem, the church leaders sent Barnabas to check it out. Verse 23 tells us that he did. He did what he always does. He encouraged them. He said he was glad, it says he was glad and he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord. Acts 14.22 tells us that he did the same thing when he and Paul visited believers on their missionary journey. It says he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Wherever we seem to find Barnabas in scriptures, we find him encouraging the saints leaving in his wake a church that continued to grow and to flourish. And rather than assume the role of leader of the revival in Antioch, Barnabas went to Tarsus to fetch Paul and ask him to come to Antioch to help. Now, his actions may not be all that strange to you, but as a pastor, I can tell you this. There is plenty of credit grabbing going on in ministry today. Look what the Lord is doing through my ministry. It's unfortunate. People want to grab glory (laughs) rather than give it to the Lord. Barnabas wasn't seeking glory. He was more concerned about the grace. He knew Paul was gifted in ways that he wasn't. And he knew he needed Paul's help to grow God's revival in Antioch. So he went and got him. As a godly man, Barnabas was willing to take a a back seat, so to speak, to Paul's leadership. He did what he knew was right and best for God's work to prosper. See, a godly person is willing to subordinate their own desires, their own agenda, to the goal of bringing glory to God. And Barnabas was that kind of guy. He was generous, he was gracious, and he was godly. But what was his motivation for being this kind of person? It's not in our nature, really, to submit to someone else. We're inclined to want to be the one in control, to be out in front of others. So where did Barnabas get this motivation to go to Tarsus, to get Paul and have him lead the revival in Antioch? When verse 24 tells us that Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit, Obviously, God was the source of Barnabas' kind of thinking. Remember the word we discussed a little bit ago, the encourager, paraclesis? Would you like to hazard a guess as to what the Greek word is for the, in the New Testament for the Holy Spirit? Parakletos. Parakletos. Both words come again from two Greek words, para meaning alongside and kaleo, to call. So parakletos is the one who's called alongside the believer to counsel and encourage. 
from within. Remember, he, he inhabits us as believers. So wouldn't you expect a person who is full of the Holy Spirit to be an encouraging person like Barnabas was, the son of encouragement? The Holy Spirit is the encourager. And one who wants to be an encourager needs to be filled with the encourager, as Barnabas was. Being full of the Holy Spirit made it readily possible for Barnabas to yield his own ego to the Lord's call and to yield to the Spirit's call on Paul's life to assume leadership in Antioch. Only the power of God through the Holy Spirit can thwart our egos. (laughs) I'm speaking from personal experience there. Yes, I have an ego. Most likely you do too. But we're we're called to submit our egos to the Holy Spirit, to his power, his energy. Only then can we see the accomplishment of God's transformational purposes when we encourage and build up others. And that's what we're asked to do all throughout Scripture, build up. Barnabas' generosity, his graciousness, his godliness were due to the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. It was not his upbringing or his education or his heritage. The power of God's Spirit is not just a historical fact. That same Spirit today has been gifted to us when our hearts are converted in belief, when we're born again in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That same Holy Spirit can and will do the same dynamic work through us as we yield ourselves to his leading. God would have each one of us be the same encourager as Barnabas, bringing him that same glory through our lives. Those of you who know me, you can feel it coming, can't you? So what? So what? What difference does all of this make? I'm glad you asked. Barnabas' difference. Let's take a look. Acts 11, verse 24 again. The second half of that verse, you see, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Well, that by itself sounds like a huge difference to me. But there are still a couple of other differences brought about by Barnabas' life that we just can't overlook. First of all, look at Apostle Paul. What might have happened to him, from a human perspective at least, if Barnabas had not put his arm around Paul and advocated for him to the other apostles? Barnabas introduced him and vouched for him before the leadership in Jerusalem. And that opened doors to ministry and even wider service. Had Barnabas not done that, Paul might have been discouraged or frustrated or gotten sidetracked somewhere and never accomplished what he did for Christ. Barnabas was the catalyst that God used to come alongside Saul when he was outside the church and bring him in. And then Paul spent the rest of his life doing all the same thing, bringing more in. Secondly, there was the case of John Mark, Barnabas' young nephew, who Paul rejected at the beginning of his second missionary journey. 
He didn't have the time or the patience to deal with this young kid. But Barnabas pulled him in, came alongside him, mentored him in ministry for the next decade. In time, that young man grew strong spiritually. And eventually, he gave us the first account we have of the life of Jesus. Hmm. Where might that have not been if not for Barnabas? See, folks, sometimes our egos and our our natural self-promotion leads us to the conclusion that a behind-the-scenes role in ministry is not important. I can tell you from personal experience, having been pastor of a church for a number of years, that that nothing could be further from the truth. The the behind-the-scenes roles are the backbone of ministry in the church. What was Barnabas' impact on the church in Antioch when he led so many to the Lord and encouraged the man who would become the greatest apostle or mentoring the guy who wrote the first gospel? Like I said, encouragers are the backbone of the body of Christ. They are the commodity that we need most in today's church. More and more encouragers, edifying, building up the members of the church and perhaps those outside the church, to draw them in. Our world by itself can be a hugely discouraging place. It's wounded. It's cursed by sin. It's difficult to live lives that will please the Lord. But with a little bit of encouragement, the potential is there. God does not intend for us to struggle alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the encourager. And he gave us each other to build each other up and encourage one another. At least 15 times in the New Testament, we're given instructions that we are to do for one another. Of those 15 times, five are related to encouragement. And I've listed them on the screen if you can read them. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Hebrews 3.13, and of course Hebrews 10.25. As I get ready to wrap this up, let me focus your attention on the last one on that list. Hebrews 10.25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day, referred to there, is the day of the Lord, when he comes the second time. And you look at the headlines, and you look at the book of Revelation, and you look back at the headlines, and you look back at the book of Revelation, and you can't help but think, that day is coming. He said it was coming, and it looks closer and closer all the time, does it not? Well, here's my challenge then for you for the next week. This afternoon, take some time in prayer. Ask God to give you a word of encouragement for someone that you'll see this next week. Maybe you'll even see them again here next week. But take that word that the Lord gives you and watch for an opportunity to share it. 
when I used to counsel men about their relationships with their wives or, or wives-to-be, I'd admonish them and remind them of Galatians 6-7. Don't take this wrong, please. For whatever one sows, that will also he reap. But that truism is true. It's true for the guys, but it's true for all of us. And it's not just true with our spouses, it's true with everyone we deal with on a daily basis. We reap what we sow. The way we treat other people will come back to us in the way that they react to us. So the truth applies to all of our relationships, whether we know the person or not. So I challenge you to be an encourager, one that builds other people up. Those close to you, those not so close to you. Let me also warn you then, don't be surprised if someone offers you encouragement. Be a Barnabas. Be generous with all things to all people. Be gracious in your relationships. And be godly in your demeanor. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the life of Barnabas. Thank you for the record of the life of Barnabas. Thank you for the way that he encouraged the Apostle Paul and everyone else around him. He just gave of himself to build other people up. Lord, may that be an example to us. We're indwelt with the same Holy Spirit that he is. He was. We have that same encourager Come alongside us, building us up, encouraging us. So give us the strength and the wisdom to pass that along to others, to always build other people up, because we know in doing that, it'll come back to us that way. Other people will be there with us in community to help build us up, to encourage us. And may through it all, your word, your gospel, Go out to everyone around us that sees and hears that happening. And may it bring more glory to you and more residents of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.